Ooh, a step of the... All right, well, have you ever been at work and have you ever watched or have you maybe you're mid-management and you have other managers with you or you have other managers who are above you or whatever the case may be. Or maybe you're an employee and you're watching mid-management and you're watching those people above you and those people um, who have to make decisions for you or for you to for them to give to you. Anyway, when you watch them, it's funny to sometimes you can see when when management like the different managers they don't stay in their lane, right? They 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 have their authority over what they have authority over, but then they try to jump into another manager's lane so to speak and take on, you know, be authoritative in in that lane too. And maybe you're an employee and you're going, well, "Who are you and why do I have to listen to you?" You know, uh, this is my manager over here, and I haven't been given those instructions. Or, you know, um, you're a manager, and you're going, why is this person getting into my land and trying to be authoritative, right? Why are they trying to push their agenda in my lane? Like, stay in your own lane. You know, you have that that mentality going on. Uh, I, I want to talk to you today about power and authority. And um, the whole idea behind it is... There are some things that we have the power to do, and, and this is from the the um, mindset or the eye of a believer, and in the spiritual realm, and in all that. The, for the believer in the world today, we have this power, we have this authority to do certain things, and then there are some things that we really just do not have the authority to take on. Um, I had listened to this teaching not too long ago, and it had really blown me away because, you know, as a believer, sometimes you think, well, I'm going to do this over here. And and I know it's right because I'm standing up for what's right. Or I know that I'm doing the right thing because I'm promoting the Word of God or I'm preaching the Word of God here in this position. But there are some places and there are some things that we do and places we go that God has not called us to go. And they're not ordained by God. They're not backed by God. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not they're not backed by it. And we reap the consequences of it. Like there are some things that happen in our life that we just go, wow, why is this happening in my life? Why is this happening in my family's life? Why is this happening in my church? Why is this happening in my work? And sometimes it's not because, you know, we think, oh, well, the devil's at work. It's spiritual warfare. And uh, he just doesn't like what we're doing. Sometimes though, it's because God's not in it. Even though it might seem right, even though you're standing up for something right, or even though you you feel like you might be on the right path, um, if you haven't prayed about it and the Lord's not in it, then the Lord's not in it, and that could reap some serious consequences. Um, Sunday, when I preached this message, what I did was I used Job 41, and and Job kind of, I mean, you, he's, we've spent 40 chapters reading about how Satan has has come and he has been able to afflict Job and test Job to see if Job would, would curse God and turn his back on God. And it never happened. But Job really, he starts to question God. Uh, again, never cursing God, never turning his back on God. But he does question God and comes to a point where God finally says, hey, it's my turn to talk. And when he does, 
he brings up this beast called Leviathan. Um, now, in today's culture, we use Leviathan as sort of a, a type and shadow or foreshadowing, not necessarily a foreshadowing, but a type and shadow of like demonic oppression or spiritual warfare or sin or evil in some way, shape, or form. And God really comes down on Job and says, hey, do you think that you can actually fight this battle? Do you think that you can hook him? Do you think that you can make him serve you? Do you think you can play with him like you would a pet or birds? Um, you know, and he, he goes on and on. He said, lay a hand on him. It's almost like he dares him. Like, lay a hand on him. I dare you. <laughs> because if you do, you will remember the battle and you won't ever, ever do it again. And the Lord's purpose in, in saying all that to Job was, Leviathan is somebody who submits to me, the Lord. And he's saying, if Leviathan submits to me and you can't even come near him, then who are you to stand before me and who are you to question me? That's what the Lord is saying to Job in this in that moment. And then, you know, Job is humbled and and begins to say, you know, you're right, Lord, I did not understand. Uh, and and to submit to that authority, to say, Lord, you have the ultimate power and authority. And that really needs to be the foundation for our message today, is that the Lord has the ultimate power and authority to do all things. And the Bible says that the battle is not man's, that it belongs to the Lord. Uh, but there are certain things that the Lord really wants to give us and, and power over and authority over. But they are two separate things, and that's what I want to talk a little bit today about that. Even though we have power, sometimes we don't have authority. And even though we have authority, authority, sometimes we don't have the power. And then there are those moments that we have authority and we don't realize that we have the power. And, and that last one is something I'm going to focus on in this podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to Sunday's message, I took a little bit of a different turn on Sunday's message than I am, than I'm going to this go around. I think, um, and and the reason is, is I'm using a little bit different scripture, and I do want to focus on those moments when we have authority, but we have to realize that we also have the power and what that power is and what it looks like. So to get us started, uh, let's talk about the actual words. There is a difference between power and authority. In the Greek, the word power is Dunamis, which means dynamite. So, um, you know, like a dynamite power. We have a dynamite power to do things, um, not necessarily meaning that we have authority. So here's an example, and I use this on, on Sunday. Um, we talk about going fishing. Like if you have an, a little ice fishing pool, you're probably not going to catch a bass or a big, huge fish with that ice fishing pole. In fact, if you hook him, he's probably going to take your pole. On the other hand, uh, you could have the right fishing pole and go out, and let's say that you go out and catch a big fish, but let's say you never went and bought a fishing license for the day. So now you're in trouble if the DNR comes and they, they look for your license. Uh, you've got this really nice fish, but you weren't supposed to be out fishing because you never bought a license. You, so you didn't have the authority to go out and fish. And then to bring dunamis into its into its 
more proper you know context here uh, after the service service somebody came up and said something about you know yeah well we used to use dynamite when we went down and you know, th- throw dynamite in the river and when you throw dynamite in the river all kinds of fish start popping up well absolutely yes that's the kind of power that we're talking about but again we don't have the authority to go out and just throw dynamite in the river and all these fish start popping up you know what i'm saying so there's a difference between having the power and having authority. That power, though, is something that, that we've been given to do certain things. Um, I believe in, in the Bible, it says that Jesus gives us the power to trample over snakes. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to go out and just start looking for snakes to trample over. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to be about snake handling. I don't, I don't want that either. Um, but he says, you know, you have the power to trample over snakes. You have the power to cast out demons. You have the power to heal. You have the power to, to raise people from the dead. But what we need now is the authority to do so. So he talks about this power, and that power is amazing. Uh, to, to be able to have that power really, truly is amazing. But really what we need is the authority. And that authority in the Greek is the word exousia. So now, Jesus gives us the authority. All, the Bible says that all power and authority were given to Christ. And then he has passed on power and authority to us to go out and to do these things. That these things would accompany a believer, that they could cast out demons, they could raise people from the dead, they could heal the sick um, or the blind, and, and, and all those things. And you will do these things, he says, and you will do greater things. Not that we will do better things than Jesus, but we will do more than what Jesus could. Because Jesus only had, depending on your interpretation, he either had three and a half years of ministry or he had a year of ministry. Um, again, depending on your interpretation. And so that's not either way is not a lot of time to do the work that um, we could be doing. Even you know, as believers now, we have years ahead of us or we've had years with us that we could go out and we could do these things. Jesus is saying, you know, you have the power and the authority to do these things. They will accompany you, and you should be able to go out and do them. You have that power, and you have that authority to go out. But the big one that I used on Sunday, and, and I'll use it today too, is that um, Jesus says in Acts 1, verse 8, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples. They had, the, the disciples had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So they believed in Jesus, right? They, they followed Jesus and all that. But Jesus had to do a work first. And then the, when the time came, then they were to receive the Holy Spirit. And then well, we know about that. Like if you, you can read in Acts when the Holy Spirit actually came, what happened? It came upon them like tongues a fire, and they went out and they literally preached the word, the gospel, in all of these people's different native languages. Never spoken these languages before, but they spoke in tongues, and everybody in their native language could understand and hear. Excuse me, I'm drinking my coffee this morning too. Gotta kind of wake up. Anyway, that's my power, right? Anyway, um, so these people did receive the Holy Spirit. But what he said before that was, and it's in Acts, again, Acts 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Now, what he was saying was, he was saying, I'm going to give you power, and this is what I'm going to give you power to do. I give you power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit came on them, what was the first thing that they did? They preached the gospel. And that's what we're called to do. Jesus said, go therefore into all the world and and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to, to go and preach the gospel to everybody. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus. That's that's the whole of it. You know, the the love of Christ and the work of Christ, everything that he's done. That if people would believe it and people would accept it and people would surrender to Jesus, that that they would be saved, right? That's the gospel. So they were to go out and to do all these things. You have to understand, when you're going out, you're going to face giants. You're going to face things that that you didn't know even existed because it's a whole new realm that you have, you've come to a realization that's been in operation, and that is the spiritual realm. So you're going to enter into some spiritual warfare going on. But on the other hand, you've had the power and the authority to trample that spiritual warfare to do that specific task. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to go out and to take on this specific task. And in the midst of it, as we're doing that, then we'll, we're going to have to fight the spiritual warfare. And we have the power and the authority and the tools to do that. What we don't have the power and the authority to do is to go out and preach our own gospel or our own news in the name of Jesus and fight the spiritual warfare. And that's what we as Christians do today. We, we take the power and the authority that we have and we miss the idea that we're going out into the world to preach the gospel and to, to fight spiritual battles. Instead, we go out and we fight battles in the natural and we stand on soapboxes and we stand on, uh, you know, and I know whether it's whether you're liberal or conservative or what, we stand on our soapboxes and we we preach our own right and wrong gospel, and that's not what we're called to do. We're called to go out, and we're called to fight a spiritual warfare battle in the name of Jesus, in the in in the for the ability to go out and to witness to people and to show them the love of Christ. If, see, if, if we're not doing that, we're not going to win the spiritual warfare battles. So, when you're out and about. And you're fighting these battles that you're not supposed to fight. So, you know, and, and I'm not going to give examples because I don't want to step on anybody's conviction. Um, however, what I do want to do is I want I want to say this: there may be battles that you think are righteous battles because you're you're telling people what's right, morally right, and morally wrong, and and by doing so, you are entering into spiritual warfare that you cannot fight. Because you're not meant to fight those battles. See, so we go out into the world and we we start to tell people all of the wrong that they're doing when they don't even care about right and wrong in by my mindset. There's a, there's a saying out there that people don't care what you know until they know that you care, right? So we're called to go out and to care for and to love and to preach the gospel at all times. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. So we're called to do that. 
Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when a person surrenders to the Lord, and and catch this, because we miss this big time. When a person surrenders to the Lord, they receive the Holy Spirit. It does not mean that they are going to be perfect. No offense, but look in the mirror. You know, you don't have it down. I don't have it down. Uh, there are days that I just, I don't have it down. And the Lord has led me through so many battles. The Lord has led me through so many different mindsets. The Lord has led me through things that had a hold on me that I didn't realize had a hold on me, or things that I did know that had a hold on me, and He's brought me out of them. But it's not been an overnight thing. Like, it, it has been a long journey. And that's what we have to remember, is that when people receive the Lord, they receive the Holy Spirit. And when they receive the Holy Spirit, that that Spirit will begin to lead them on a journey. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I know I keep bringing Psalm 23 in. I never thought. I always thought, man, so cliche that Christians always do Psalm 23. If there's anything that they know, Psalm 23, John 3.16, blah, 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 blah. You know, the 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 basic Christian Bible verses that everybody believes. But when you grab really a hold of what Psalm 23 is all about, especially after becoming a believer, or you're maybe in the process of saying, yeah, I want I want to accept Jesus as my Lord, to understand that it is the Lord that is my shepherd. No other person, no pastor, no preacher, no... Uh, Apostle, no prophet, no Bible school teacher, no Sunday school teacher, no uh, small group teacher, I don't care, whatever it is. Nobody out there is my shepherd except the Lord. And there are daily battles that I must face that nobody else knows about. There are daily battles that I must face that only the Lord can see. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets of my heart. He knows the depths of my heart. He knows them, and he, he leads me through all of those battles that are deep within, all those mindsets, and he leads me on a journey closer to him, and it is a journey, but it's because somebody along the way came and preached good news, preached the love of Christ to me. Then when I came to know the love of Jesus, when I came to know that God loves me first and foremost, and that is the foundation of our relationship. It's not a foundation of do's and don'ts, just like the Old Testament seems to be. But even the Old Testament was not, the foundation was not a foundation of do's and don'ts. The do's and don'ts were there to to show you that you're a sinner, but God still loves you. And that if you would submit to the Lord and you would surrender to the Lord, that he would lead you. He led you out of Egypt. And and he always reminds his people, I'm the God who led you out of Egypt. I led you through the wilderness. I led you across the Red Sea. I led you into the promised land. I fought your battles for you. I fought those giants for you. I fought every city for you of evil people that were going to try to attack you. I went out and I fought them for you so that you could have the very things that I promised you. And that foundation is because I love you. I love you. I love you. And that's been the foundation of our relationship with God first and foremost. And when we grab a hold of that, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, all of those things that, uh, mindsets that I've carried with me, all of those soapboxes I've stood on, all of those addictions that I've had, or all of those, um, I don't know, you name it, those things that I've dealt with in my life, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That sounds nice when you're when you have to think about a sheep. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leaves me beside still waters. I don't have to stick my face in a in a rushing water just to try to get a drink. <clears throat> Leaves me beside still waters, peaceful waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. <laughs> Ain't my doing. Ain't anybody else's doing. Nobody else can take the glory. God gets the glory. He restores my soul. He didn't say it would happen overnight either. The Lord is my shepherd. He's leading me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Even though I go through those moments, even though I'm in the midst of spiritual warfare, I will fear no evil for he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He has given me the power to make it through. And that power comes because of him, because of his Holy Spirit. That enters into me. Now, because of the Holy Spirit in me, I've now been given the authority to go out and to do what I've been called to do. And I've been given the authority to fight the spiritual warfare battles. Doesn't mean I'm going I'm to be perfect at it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to fall. I am going to fall. But I have the power and the authority to do what he has called me to do. But I don't have the power and the authority to do what he hasn't called me to do. To kind of give you an idea, though, I want to go back to Esther. Um, the story of Esther goes, you, we know it, but we've talked about it a little bit. Um, but where Esther, the queen before Esther was taken out because she was disobedient to the king, uh, so she was no longer queen. So he looks for a new queen. Esther becomes queen. Who Esther, who is a Jewish girl, who has to hide her heritage at first, by the way. And then an annihilation of the Jews is about to come. And Mordecai says, you need to intercede for your people and go to the king and say, hey, this has to stop. So after much debate, she goes and they fast for three days. She goes to the king and throws him a couple parties to which she finally says, somebody's out to kill my people. And he goes, well, who would do such a thing like that? Well, your right-hand man would. He's threatened to kill the Jewish people, and those are my people. The king gets enraged. Uh, Haman's a little bit, he's not a little bit, he's a lot terrified um, to the point that he is at her lap pleading. The king thinks that he's about to take advantage of her, and has him hanged on the gallows that he created for Mordecai to be hung on, of all people. Mordecai is brought to rank, uh, you know, high rank, and he's recognized as a high official, and um, you know, all is well. But what happens is Esther has to go to the king, and she says, what do I do now what, so that they don't destroy my people? And he says, take my signet ring, Write a letter and seal it with my ring. So when you have the, the, the king's ring and you have that seal, she, he's saying, you have the authority to say this. See, once a, once a thing goes out, once a thing from a king goes out, it cannot come back void. 
So once a word of the Lord goes out, he says, it, my word will not return to me void. Once, once a word goes out from the king, he says, I can't rescind it. it it's not going to happen. It can't be taken back. So it, now you got to come up with some new plan here. But you come up with the plan, whatever it needs to be, so that your people have the right to defend themselves, so that they can uh, not be annihilated, all that. You send out the letter, do what you need to do, but you stamp it with my seal, and you have the authority to put forth that word. You have the power to put forth that word. I'm giving you the power and the authority. That's what Jesus has done for us here on this earth. You have the power and the authority to put the good word out there. You have the power and the authority to do great things for the kingdom. And if God is behind it, you're going to win the battle. The battle is not man's. It belongs to the Lord. So he is always ahead of you, and he is fighting those battles because he's given you the authority to do what he's called you to do. Uh, Now, there are some examples. I told you what I really wanted to focus on was having that authority but not realizing that you have the power so that was the third option or the third scenario and so there are a couple places in the bible where we see this taking place the first one is moses when he's going out into he's he's led the people out of egypt but he's got pharaoh's army chasing him and he comes up to the red sea and they're just kind of like we don't know what to do and Moses doesn't know what to do, and they've got mountains on each side. They got Pharaoh's army in the back, and they got the Red Sea in front of him. But Moses says, in Exodus fourteen, he says, "Be still. It's okay. The Lord's going to fight your battles." But the Lord says to Moses, and you read in the next verse, he says, "Moses, you got to move." And Moses is going, "I got mountain on this side. I got mountain on this side. I got Pharaoh's army behind us, and I got six million Jewish people who are about to slaughter me." And all I got ahead of me is the Red Sea. What do you want me to do? And he says, take your staff. Take your staff and put it in the water, and I I will part the sea. So God says, I will do this. You have the, the power in your hands, and I will bring that power to you. You have the, the tools that you need, and I will bring the power to, to part that sea. So God gets the glory. So he sticks out his staff, puts it in the water, the sea parts, right? And they walk across on dry land, and then the sea comes back and engulfs um, Pharaoh's army. Okay, so we got that. So that's a prime example where Moses was given the authority, didn't realize that he had the power. Here's another one where the power isn't necessarily well seen, although it is realized, but he's got the, the, the power and he, he walks in the authority, and that is David versus Goliath. So there's this time in history when the Israelites are up against the Philistines, uh, once again, and they have this giant with them, and this giant is Goliath from a town called Gath, and his height, it says his height was six cubits in a span, so it's like nine feet ten inches. Like, can you imagine fighting somebody who's nine foot tall? Like, that's, I am five foot seven and a half or something like that. And, and I will pride myself on that half, right? I, I will, like, I will really pride myself on that half. Uh, five foot seven and a half. And um, 
got Goliath who's nine foot tall. I'm thinking, wow, that's almost four foot different. Nine foot ten inches. That's over four foot difference than me. That's huge. I have a brother who is six foot seven, and that's tall enough. Um, and sometimes joke, it looks like David and Goliath when you see us next to each other. But I can't imagine it. Anyway, nine foot ten. And he uh, was he had a bronze helmet. He was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his leg and bronze javelin. So, so he was like this soldier of soldiers, nine foot tall, soldier of soldiers. And nobody wanted to fight him. And they, the whole charge was this, that if you could find, if the Israelites could find one man, one man who would fight Goliath, then the Philistines would become Israel's servant. One man. So this little boy named David, who isn't king yet, by the way, uh, he has all of his brothers are out in the in the battlefield and for the Philistines. And, and Jesse, David's dad, says, you need to take your brother some peanut butter sandwiches, right? So I added that. It's not peanut butter, but um, anyway, he tells them that uh, he needs to take them food, and so David takes food to the to the battle, and he sees this guy, because this is what he says, listen, in verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17, you should read the whole story, but 1 Samuel 17, and I'm gonna, 26, he says, then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the enemies or the armies of the living God? Who I love I I can just hear him saying Who this? Who this uncircumcised Philistine that thinks he can taunt us? Like the armies of the living God. Who is this who is that? And I can imagine the look on the men's faces when he said that, like, are you serious right now? That dude is nine foot tall. He's got weaponry. He's got armor. He's got everything. Who who is going to go up against him? And so they tell him though what was going to happen. And uh, in fact, he gets a little. There's a, he gets a little backlash from it. Uh, it says uh, uh, Eliab, who was his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned up against David and said. Why have you come down? And whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done now? Was it, was it not just a question? And he turned away from him to another and said the same thing, and the people answered the same thing as before. So David determines, You know what? If you're not going to do this, I'm going to do this. So he says, Let no man's heart fail on account fail on account of him, your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. You're but a youth. He's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and I attacked him. I rescued it from his mouth, and when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Now, notice he didn't say he's not 
You know, well, you this guy is ticking me off. This guy's really upsetting me. He's not saying that. He's, this guy is taunting the armies of the living God, and we are sitting here crying like babies that he's a, this guy is down there. We have the living God on our side. We have the authority on our side. So David's recognizing this. He says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Well, go, and may the Lord be with you. So David puts on all of Saul's garments, and turns out it wasn't good, like it didn't work out. But the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine saw, looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give you your flesh, I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. See, now David's again revealing his authority that he has and, and where his authority comes from. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, and the power, by the way. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've taunted. And then he says in verse 46, This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will remove your head from you. I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, then all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And so he goes up, he takes little rocks, you know the story, and a slingshot, which seems like he doesn't have enough power, right? It doesn't seem like he has the tools for it, but he does. He takes it, and he launches it at, at Goliath, bringing him down to his face, to which he comes up with a sword and removes his head. See, there are things about, when, you, when you're looking for the giants, there are things about the giants that are exposed. Goliath had some parts about him that were exposed. He could be all dressed up in armor, but his face was exposed. And David knew that. But David... Who cares, though? Like, you could fling a rock at a person's face, and they'd be like, ow, you know, like, whatever. It hurts a little bit, but a nine-foot-tall giant. Yet he comes in the name of the Lord with the power and the strength of the Lord, and he brings him down with such little that then he goes and he removes his head, just as he told Goliath he would do. But that is a prime example of when we know what our calling is— when we know that we have the, the power and the authority of the Lord behind us and before us and all around us, when we walk in that power and that authority, then there is nothing that can stop us. And I want to say this to you. We go out and, and we have those people who want to swim in their own lanes, right, in our businesses and things like that. We, so I'm, I'm kind of bringing this all back around. We go back out and we want to, we want to because we think we have the answer for the problems of the world today, and, and that is that, you know, well, if you wouldn't do this, then this would happen, or if you would do this, then this wouldn't happen, or there's only one answer 
And that is the gospel. Because here's the deal, you can't legislate the heart. You, you can't legislate the heart. And what I mean by that is you can go out and you can promote you know, pro-life, or you can promote, you know, the illegalization of marijuana because it's wrong or whatever. You can go out and promote those things and feel justified because you feel like morally they're wrong. Uh, But if you haven't touched a person's heart, if a person does not have that, the power of the Holy Spirit, they're not going to be led to see what you see. You cannot legislate the heart. You can... And, and I'm not trying to get political on here. You want to vote uh, a certain way, please, by all means, whatever your conviction is. You want to you know, believe a certain way, please, by all means, follow your convictions. But what I am saying is if you're not preaching the gospel first, nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. Nobody, nobody cares about what you know until they know that you care. And that's what's super important, that if we're not out there and if we're not preaching the gospel at all times, we're not preaching the love of Jesus, and you have to understand, there are people who need to be led by the shepherd, the Lord, and he will lead them into righteousness. He will lead them down the paths of righteousness. Not you, not any other teacher. The Lord is my teacher. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. So I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to get political. I'm not trying to get, um, well, all I'm trying to do is to tell you that your task should be, as a believer, your task should not be to stand on a soapbox, but rather to preach the gospel. Because when you start to preach the love of Jesus, and people start to accept the love of Jesus, and people start to receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads them down the path that they need to go down. And, and, that's something for in look we can be stubborn about it all we want um people who who aren't believers can be stubborn about their own their beliefs all they want and that's you know understandable if we're stubborn about ours why wouldn't they be stubborn about theirs right but the point is this you don't you don't have the power and the authority to go out and fight those battles the, the battle is the lords What you have the power and the authority to do is to go out and fight spiritual principalities, things that you cannot see, things that are really controlling this whole thing, because everything starts in the Spirit. We talked about that on Sunday. Everything starts in the Spirit. Uh, That's why we pray, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, it's already done. It's already finished in heaven. We're bringing it to earth. We We want to see it manifest here on earth. So the the battle is already won. It's just that whatever is done in the Spirit, we need to bring it down to this earth, right? So everything starts with the Spirit. So when we understand that we're fighting spiritual principalities, spiritual things that are taking precedence over this natural thing, and when, we, when we're fighting those spiritual things, because we have that power and authority to do so, we're fighting them by preaching the gospel, by the way. When we're doing that, that's when we we walk in the power and the authority, and that's when things will change here on this earth. When people start to walk in love, when people start to walk in love not for themselves but for one another and for God, things will change here on this earth. Of that I can promise you. Because when we, when we start to have a like-mindedness and we start to have a like-spiritness, that's when things will change. It has to. Jesus said, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the whole of Torah is based on. And when you do that, 
then you are following Torah. When you when you really truly love somebody, you will operate in Torah. When you tr- really truly love God, you will operate in Torah. And when you operate in Torah, God's law, what do you think is going to happen? Good things, not bad. Good things. So I would encourage you as you go out today, even. What are the battles that you're going to face? Are you going to stand out with a bullhorn, you know, or a megaphone and start preaching, you know, right from wrong and be against this and vote against this or vote for this or or whatever? Or are you going to go out there and reveal the love of Jesus? That's my charge to you today. And I hope and pray that you would reveal the love of Jesus to people. I love you. I hope to see you on a Sunday morning sometime. Uh, Hopefully this message hasn't scared you away. It's a little hard to digest, but hopefully this message hasn't hasn't scared you away. And um, I get to see you on a Sunday morning at 930. Um, If not, and you want to watch more messages, um, I would encourage you to watch us on Facebook or YouTube. Also would encourage you to just continue to, to check this out. Um, also have a personal channel you can check out called New Start Ministry uh, on YouTube if you haven't checked that out. I, just kind of discussion topics and thoughts here and there. And we'll be re- releasing some hard words that some people probably aren't going to want to hear. However, um, you know, that's where I'm just sort of, I feel like I'm being guided and directed by the Lord to release certain things there. Um, and so I will do that too. Uh, but new start ministry with me, Jason Vandermark. And um, hopefully at one of those platforms or at church on a Sunday at 9.30, I will be able to see you. I love you. I hope you have a blessed week this week. And I, I hope that God reveals himself in a mighty way to you in a very powerful and loving way and that you would experience Jesus in that very same powerful way.